many of your uh, your viewers are are freelancers. Many of them are looking for work. Many of them are stressed about not having work. I would suggest that maybe they they take the word freelancer out of their vocabulary and and replace it with entrepreneur because that is automatically going to set them into a mindset of growth. Freelancer has kind of a negative sometimes comes connotation to it. The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast and this YouTube channel are solely the views of the individuals involved. It does not reflect the views of their organizations, employers, and employees past, present, and future. Uncool is produced by Creators at Work and Story Machine. Like this show? Then rate it five stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast produced, written, and hosted by Sean Lee Winchong and co-hosted by Yenling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim, and edited by Ray Ng. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool. Okay, so this is season five of the Uncool podcast, the How to Talk to People edition, where we explore communication and how do we initiate projects in the modern life that we live in today. So basically, we are talking to people about how to talk to people. And I recently, right, I read this article and it seems to suggest that if you compare what it was like pre-pandemic and now, researchers in that study found that there's a significant decline in extroversion, agreeableness and conscientiousness. So the question then I have is, what happened to us, right, uh, between what it was like pre-pandemic and now? When did all these things happen, does it mean that talking to people then became a lot harder and became less cool. Well, that brings us to our guest for the day, Glenn Van Zutphen. He's a career international journalist, he's a trainer, and if you want to deliver confident and memorable communication, he's the man to train you to do that. He's trained thousands to do that, in fact. You know, the C-suite. So if you find talking uncool, no problem. That's what we are here for with Glenn today. So welcome, Glenn. Yen Ling, thank you. It's great to be with you and Sean and all your millions of wonderful fans out in cyberspace. 10 million, I heard, was the last count on the number <laughs> of hits you get. So I think that's just fantastic. Um, interesting, Sean, you mentioned that study. It makes sense in that people were locked down for several years in many countries uh, that, that they're kind of getting used to getting back out into the world again and, and re-engaging with people. We have seen now that the conferences are coming back to Singapore and other major cities around the world, that people are kind of finding their way, getting their sea legs, getting their communication legs again uh, after uh, being on the, on the tiny screen for so many years. So I do see that. Um, I do also see that a lot of people were really comfortable being at home, hiding behind their Zoom persona, whatever that was, or their Teams persona or WebEx. And, and so I think that while that may have been happening over the past few years, I think we're quickly coming back to where we will have been pre-pandemic in terms of how people communicate and their ability to get out and get their messages out. You do this every day, talking to people. How did you get so good at it? I love communication. I love good communication. I get absolutely frustrated when I'm watching TV or at a conference and I hear bad communication. Uh, you know, I'm the grumpy old guy that sits and yells at the television set, you know, when the news is on. I'm that guy, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I do it at conferences. My wife is always nudging me on the side, just, you know, be quiet and all that. But here's the thing. I spent about 30 years as an international journalist. And in the past 15 years or so, I've been doing uh, communication, media training, and coaching for uh, multinationals mostly, but also I do some for SMEs and for NGOs to help them make sure that they are confident, credible, and clear 
in the messages they have to give, in the comments they have to give, whether it's for the media or at conferences. We help them with their TED Talks, um, internal staff meetings, town hall meetings, whatever it is they need to discuss, um, even with clients. We help them figure out how to be strategic. And let me just start with one overriding thought, and that is a lot of people are good talkers. And you know, you guys are, I am, a lot of our executive friends, a lot of your, your uh, people that are watching today, you're all good talkers. You know how to talk. You know how to have a conversation. But in the year 2023, it's not enough just to be a good talker. You have to be a strategic talker. If you want to get your messages across, if you want to excel and be remembered, there has to be some planning. There has to be some strategic thinking behind in how you present your uh, ideas, whatever they may be. Yeah, just getting used to being in front of people again, right? What you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one other thing comes to mind, which is the when you think about uh, you and your listeners and viewers think about all of the different channels that they're communicating on and being communicated to on. So everyone's on a, a you know a bunch of different. Uh, social media channels, right? Whatever is useful for you, Slack or Discord or Zoom or WhatsApp or what X or whatever. Um, we're all on these channels all the time. And so many messages are coming at us, being thrown at us all day long and all night long. And we are also putting those messages out there too through our channels. The challenge is when you communicate to be the one who gets remembered. And this goes back to that strategy thing that I mentioned a minute ago, but also how can you be concise? How can you really get the point across that is that people are going to remember and are going to remember above somebody else who's competing against you as well? Do you think that after all that's happened, that and all that we've been through in the years leading up to the pandemic and then the pandemic itself, that people are just a lot more sensitive now because we're not really communicating in person, right? We are going through let's say over Facebook or something like this, and people write comments on, on the Facebook page and on your wall and then everyone gets so sensitive about it and goes like, you know, and, and starts to you know accuse you of being woke or whatever it is. And do you find that there's a lot more, like people are a lot more sensitive to the messages being communicated to them in, uh, in recent times? People have always been tuned in to who's being authentic, who's being, who's just putting on something, who's trying to be somebody they're not, who's trying to affect a persona, you know, whatever you want to call it. I th you know, we have that sort of innate sense, of, you know, call it a, a, a sniff, a sniff fact, right? It doesn't smell right to us. The and that goes, it's sixth sense, right? And that happens whether or not we're in person with somebody, we just meet them at a bar, a party, a club, a business uh, opportunity. You, you know, you have a sense of, mm, I'm not sure about this person or, oh, I really, I really vibe with this person. They are great. I really trust them. And so I think we've always had that. Um, is it changed because of the different channels we're on? I think people are tired of being thrown all kinds of stuff at them. And I think they're getting more selective. And, and so from that perspective, I agree with you. I think people are being a little bit more choosy about what they tend to listen to, watch, believe in, contribute to. Um, you know, just, just myself, for example. I, so I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Because uh, LinkedIn and Instagram, WhatsApp, obviously, with a lot of different things I do. But um, I, pre I, I gave up Facebook quite a while ago. I still have my account, but I never post. Uh, and I haven't purposefully posted on Twitter slash X for, I would say, a couple of years. Now, on my LinkedIn, pro on my LinkedIn 
posts. You can do the the little tab that automatically posts it to to um, you know to X, which is what I do. But I literally have not gotten on my X profile and looked at my stream for a long time because I just lost faith and confidence in the value of it for me, right? And I think many people are at that stage where they just they're tired of the noise, you know, they're tired of the BS, right? They, they, they want to, they want to get back to people that are important to them, whether it's business or personal or whatever. And, and they want to have meaningful dialogue and meaningful connections. And fortunately, if, you know, there's blue sky, there's, there's all kinds of new, um, you know, Mastodon, there's all kinds of new forums out there that people can do that, um, in different ways than maybe they could three, four years ago. So then leads to the point then with, given that this is the climate where people are getting a bit choosy and sensitive how then do you start a conversation then like because you know if you're starting from scratch i have just first met you and no knowing that there's all these barriers how do i how do you even start a conversation then what's your objective for communicating is is a place i like to start many of your uh, your viewers are are freelancers many of them are are in the arts many of them are looking for work many of them are stressed about not having work <laughs> many of them you know we we all go through all of these things as freelancers and by the way i would i would suggest that maybe they they take the 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 word freelancer out of the vocabulary and and replace it with entrepreneur because that is automatically going to set them into a mindset of growth and and working towards something as an entrepreneur even though you may just still be a freelancer, right? Freelancer has kind of a negative sometimes connotation to it. So what is the what is the purpose? Here, we're hoping to give valuable information and insight to your audience and help them to be better communicators. I'm also helping you guys out because you needed a guest for your, you know, for your cast today. Like, and we all know what a what a challenge and a hassle that can be to uh, to book guests. You know, week in and week out, I book uh, between three and six guests for my radio show on Saturday morning on Money FM. That was a little plug there, by the way. Um, and so I know what a hassle that can be to get guests. So for for your communication with me, that's one thing that helps you. Um, and then and then we have this other audience, the more important one, which which are your fans, right? So how do you start it? It depends on who it is you're talking to and what you want to talk about. I find that the most impactful way to start conversations and talk is just to be honest about it, just to be real. You know, look, I'm looking for work. I think I'm pretty good at what I do in this field, X, Y, or Z. And if you if if that's something you think you might need for a project you're working on, please reach out to me. Let's have a conversation about it. I'll show you what I think I can do for you. Start like that, right? If it's a work conversation. Yeah, but Glenn, um, you... Are, uh, you know, you live in, in, in Singapore for quite some time as well. And you know that doesn't come easy to the Asian culture, right? We are taught not to start conversations. We're taught to just mind your own business. Don't ask anybody unless you are approached to or unless you have no choice. So how would you advise someone to overcome that in the first place? It's a real, a real question. Difficult question, but it's a great question, Yenling. Um, been here 20 years. My kids were born here. Um, my wife and I are both Americans. We saw firsthand what that what that dynamic looks like in Singapore, but also I would say in Malaysia as well, um, also in China, also in Hong Kong, in the local systems throughout many parts of Asia, it's a fairly similar contract that teachers and students have, which is teacher talks and tells you what to learn, students be quiet and sit and say yes, and then regurgitate back what the teacher wants. I'm oversimplifying, and we know that 
um, the MOE here is trying to change that. We know that certain schools are really trying to change and become more interactive. Like, I don't need to tell you this. You guys know this already. And, and so this leads to your question, which is, it is, there's muscle memory there about how you should communicate or not communicate that is so powerful, so strong, which quite honestly is a reason I have a business today for executives <laughs> who are trying to break out of that. And, and I am so excited to, to tell you that we are able to actually do that and help them change in a positive way to become authentic and impactful communicators. And this isn't about becoming like a clone of somebody from the West or, you know, from, from the U S or from the UK or me or anybody else. I, I don't want to teach anybody to be me because that never works. I want to take the skills that you have as a, as a trainee, a coachee, whatever. And I want to elevate them so that when you get into a, a communication moment, whatever that is with your clients, with your staff in front of a thousand people at Marina Bay Sands at a conference, that your natural abilities come out in an authentic way and, and, and are boosted by the, the coaching work we do. So it is absolutely super hard to get these rhythms, these patterns going, but it is absolutely possible. But I'm sure, you know, if, since you mentioned uh, a client, for example, you mentioned that, uh, and I'm surely a client would have had, let's say, many conversations a day because they, they speak to many people that are coming to them to you know pitch or to discuss uh, or or yeah, or uh, many creators go to them and go like, hey, this is what I can do for you and so on. So the question then is, since they're going to be receiving so many or having so many conversations about probably the same topic, how then can you make your conversation memorable conversation or you know, you know, and be different from everybody else? Two things. First of all, when we communicate, there are two basic elements to our communication. One is the verbal content, the things you're talking about, the topics we're talking about today. Number two is the nonverbal cues you give. So your eye, your eye contact, your body language, your hand motion, if you're, if you're walking, you know, what, how you use a stage physically, those types of, of, of elements. So, you know, what you say and then kind of how you communicate it. We have our executives think about those two things first. Then immediately right after that, the next thing all of us need to think about is who are we talking to? But today I'm talking to you guys. Are you guys millennials? You're millennials, aren't you? Or Gen Y? You're Gen Y probably. X. Maybe X. Are you Gen X? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So you got probably watching here today, right? You know, Gen X, Gen Y, and and maybe Gen Z. Um, in, you know, in the room today. So welcome to everybody. So my conversation with you guys is going to be slightly different because generationally, you know, I can say, I can talk about different modes of communication like Slack and Discord when I can't say that to my boomer friends, right? Because they're like, huh, what's Discord, right? Meanwhile, you know, so you get it, right? Like we have to adjust for our audience. That has to actually be the first thing we think about. We, we know we want to talk about topic X. Today, we want to talk about topic, you know, communication. So how does that relate to you guys and your friends and your, your fans and people that are in a generation that is very different from, quite frankly, my generation? I'm turning 60 this year, right? End of the year. Well, so you don't I, look I'm the last year of the great. baby boom, right? 1963, 1964, depending on how you look at it. Um, so I'm old as dirt, right? But every day I have to think about who I'm speaking with, who I'm speaking to, who I'm dialoguing with, and I have to adjust. 
if I wanted to be impactful with them, which I do, you know, I want your audience to get something out of this. So I've got to, I've got to adjust. It's on me. It's not on the audience. So we, we talked about the, this body language and the, the, the way that you communicate it. But another thing that I also noticed, right, as, especially for you, Glenn, you're on the radio um, most days, right? And as with a lot of DJs, you, seem, you guys seem to be able to talk about anything and everything, everything that's thrown at you. You guys can pick it up and carry on a conversation and confidently as well credibly so how do you do that as well no one can know everything right so how do you do oh want to bet <laughs> you saying I can't know everything wait a minute I'm out of here uh. <laughs> look first of all if you live long enough you can talk about just about anything okay so <laughs> I'll just say that um, as a journalist my, my co-host is Neil Humphreys that many of you may know Neil he's written 30 books he's he's spoken at thousands of schools in Singapore over the last 25 years he's a great guy we get along really well we've been around long enough that we have collected bits and pieces of information just like your audience can collect bits and pieces of information about what they do how they do it are they a lighting tech are they a producer are they an actor actress musician what is it they you know what turns them on and because every, every job they work on they learn something new you know they become subject matter experts over time and no one's that way when you're a fresh grad, but you certainly get that way after 10, 15, 20, 30 years of doing something, right? So that's why we can do it because we have that comfort We have that comfort level of, first of all, knowing ourselves, we've been around for a while, but also knowing a lot about a lot of different things that, you know, we could literally fill my three-hour show on Saturday morning, 9 to 12, we could fill the whole three hours without any guests at all. I mean, Neil and I could just talk. So on that note then, you talked about what, would be um, adjusting audience and so on to make yourself connect, I guess, and, and be memorable. Let's turn it to the flip side. What is the thing that we must never, ever, ever do? Uh, and, you know, because that would be remembered for the wrong things. Yeah. Uh, don't be boring. <laughs> Taking notes. Don't, don't be <laughs> irrelevant. You know, don't be irrelevant. <laughs> To, you know, if, if your podcast, which generally, as I understand it from you, talks to entrepreneurs and freelancers who are in the arts, uh, arts and entertainment field, more or less, we certainly hope that more people will join out, outside of that. But if we were to suddenly just start to talk about, uh, you know, um, hardcore banking and bonds and this and that and whatever, like click, everybody would, you know, turn off <laughs> as would. they should. Right? I would as well. <laughs> they have been promised, right? Uh, probably I would too. They have been promised something, right? Which is you are going to hopefully, every time you have people on, you're going to give them some information that's going to be interesting, useful, um, thought provoking for who they are. And and that's a super important thing. So I, I don't, I don't like to talk about the, what shouldn't you do? I like to talk to people more about what they should do. And, and, and that is, you know, clear and concise messages, know your audience, think about in advance if you've got a, a meeting to go into or a conversation to have, how you want to frame that for the audience that's sitting across from you. Uh, let me add one more thing. I'm going to ask the question to you guys. That will make it fun. What do you think is the biggest challenge that every executive has that I speak to in terms of being a good communicator? What do you, just, just throw out anything that comes to your mind. What do you think? Yanling, what do you think? You know, I think it's just the fear of speaking and the fear of opening your mouth, standing in front of people and, and putting yourself out there. 
you know, I heard I heard once before, um, the biggest fear over even dying is the fear of embarrassment. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah. I, yeah, I feel that, that, that still Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Sean, what do you think? Biggest... I think it's the idea that I have to get something out of this conversation because, you know, the whole idea that we are coming in like, okay, for example, I'm going, I'm going for a pitch. I, I, I want to win the job because that means I got some income coming in for, and for my business and revenue and so on, right? And so there's this idea that when I have this conversation, there's an objective and there has to, there has to be an upside to it or else, you know, like, what's the point? Let me simplify this for you and for everybody in the audience today. Over 16 years of coaching, doing this kind of coaching, I will tell you the biggest challenge that every executive, communicator, freelancer, entrepreneur, whatever has, generally speaking, when you are going to give a presentation is that you know too much. You know too much about your your company, your topic, your industry, whatever it is. Okay, now question to you guys, Sean. Why would that be a problem? Why would knowing too much when you go to give a presentation be a problem? Well, two things that come to mind. One is you're probably caught in your head because you're imagining that certain things are happening and moving in a certain way to achieve those objectives. And second thing, I guess, is that I guess it's a lot of, you make a lot of assumptions, right? That these uh, guys on the other side know what you're talking about when probably they won't. Okay. Yeah, it's true. How about you? Well, you mentioned concise. And um, once I think you get too wrapped up in it, you're no longer concise. You're going into, you know, you're bringing in vernacular that people wouldn't understand or, or you're just rambling on and on. That could be the case. Yeah. yeah. Good. I love, I love both sets of answers. One is, Sean, you're thinking about more from the individual communicator standpoint. Yenling, you're thinking about more from the audience standpoint. So let's take the audience standpoint. If you talk too much and are not clear and concise, in my opinion, several bad things can happen. One, people get bored. Two, people get confused. Your audience get confused. They get restless. They get turned off. They, they tune out. And, and you know, going back to our, our, minister, our ministerial, uh, our governmental friends, not just in Singapore, but around the world, how many times do these guys ramble on, uh, politicians everywhere, and there's in these speeches that are super boring, and you just tune them out, right? Because they all sound the same after a while. Yeah, they so do. That is, that is the that is the challenge because for every communication opportunity, generally speaking, you know, a hundred percent, I know a hundred percent about the topic of, of impactful communication. I've been doing it a long time. I, I, I know I I'm confident in that. I know a lot, but for your audience, I only need, and they only need to hear probably 20%, 15%, 10%, 25%. I don't know what the exact, uh, you know, amount is, but it certainly is not 100% of what I know. Because if I told you 100% of what I know, like seriously, not only would your audience be turning off, you'd be turning off too. You'd be like, oh, <laughs> time to go. Got to run. <laughs> so everybody is the same way though. You know, When your audience is in a communication moment, if they are pitching themselves or if they are giving instructions to crew members or cast members or whatever, give them what they need, but don't give them any more. Because a lot of times it's too much and people get overloaded and they can't remember or they tune out. I feel there's this, this need to just keep talking and keep uh, saying as much as possible to show that you're very knowledgeable about it. But maybe like less is more in this case. And, and Sean mentioned something just now, which was about where you, when you communicate, uh, you feel like there's a pressure. Some people feel like there's a pressure on themselves to get something out of a conversation. Do you find yourself falling into that 
most times whenever you approach even just casual conversation? Does it happen to you, Glenn? When we communicate, we should we should have a thought in our mind about what we would like the outcome to be. So before I get up and communicate, before I coach, I always set an intention. And that sounds like a very, you know, like hippie thing to do, right? Like I set an intention for what I want that communication to be. Like today, I want to connect with your audience. I want to give them really good information. And even if they only walk away with one or two tips or things that can help them to be a better communicator, I will have succeeded. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do today. When I'm with my clients, I set similar intentions based on who my clients are. So it's okay as a communicator to say, okay, I'm going to go into this. You know, I want to be a value to the audience that I'm speaking to, or I really want to nail this pitch so I can get the job so I can pay my rent this month. Like, cause that's really important. I want to, I want to eat and I want to have a place to sleep. You know, whatever your intention is, be clear, be clear to yourself about what that is. Now, certain circumstances, it's okay to express that to your audience as well. Sometimes you might not want to express it to your audience, but we should always be clear what it is we want to do in that moment. And then what is the result that you want from the audience? So to entertain them to in this communication, to inform them, to persuade them, you know, there's, there's a few basic things that we always do when we communicate, right? And those are three of them. So, you know, win them over to your side. What is it? So be thoughtful about that. Don't just go into important pitches, meetings, conferences, whatever, with no idea of what, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Like that's because that's what most people do. And it doesn't really work out. You know, it, it leads to an unmemorable presentation. Be memorable. But do you find yourself doing that as well to like, say, your, your usual, just your friends? I will take a little bit of time to think about, okay, what do we need to talk about? How should we... How should we be discussing this? How should we frame this conversation? Um, because a lot of times there's emotion involved in our discussions. A lot of times if you're asking somebody to do something they don't want to do, there's pushback. So, you know, we do need to be thoughtful sometimes, even if it's a, a, a discussion with a loved one, a partner or whatever. When it truly matters to make a statement about something, we have to put more intention, more thought, more planning behind it, more strategy. And... Um, you know, typically that is in the business environment, but not always, right? Not always. Uh, let me let me also say the other thing too. Um, I had coffee yesterday with uh, with an up and coming actress and singer here in Singapore. I'm not. I will not give you her name. She is amazing. She is somebody that people know and and people watch. And she she contacted me. She goes, I, I want to learn more about how to be a good communicator. So we talked about several things. The upshot of the of the conversation is like many talented people in Singapore, she's trying to do several things. She's trying to be a musician. She's trying to be, uh, you know, a singer and a, and a performance a musician. She's trying, she's an actress and she wants to be an MC. She wants to host events. She wants to do all these things. And if you look at her Insta, she's all over the place, right? Her stuff is everywhere. Like she's doing this, she's moderating that she's, you know, a brand ambassador. She's doing a million different things. And she said, I just don't feel like I'm I'm not communicating well. And I said, well, you're communicating about a lot of different things that are not necessarily the same. So my suggestion is focus on who you really want to be. Do you really want to be a singer or do you really want to be an actress? Focus on that and then bring in the other stuff on the side, on the, on the, you know, on the periphery of, of what you do, because it's all comp- you know, complementary in some way. And and do that so that people know you as the singer or people know you as the actress but you're not trying to be known as everything else at the same time. 
And, and from a communication standpoint, that's easier to communicate. If people know of me as a, as a communication coach, a communication whatever, that's easier than seven other things that I really like to do. Um, but those other seven things come to me because of my communication um, coaching that I do. Is that yourself as a brand, in a sense? Those are exactly the words I would use, yes. Yes. What is your brand? And I have to add that for those of your audience who are watching today, they're probably, if they're in that free man, freelance mode, and I've been there, believe me, we struggle, we scramble, we hustle, we do whatever we need to do. You know, some days I'm working on this kind of project, another day I'm doing that kind of project, uh, you know. And I get it, right? That's really important because like I say, at the end of the day, you got to pay bills or whatever it is you need to do with money. Um, and, but at the same time, it's really important to have that core understanding or brand of who you are and what you do so that it's not confusing to the rest of the world. Because if you're six different things, the messaging to the outside world is can be very confusing and people don't know where to land on you, right? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Who are you? That's an interesting you know? point. And, and so doing so many things, you end up doing nothing at all. Uh, and people don't know you for anything in particular. So do you find that this problem is unique to freelancers and entrepreneurs or, or business owners? Because we're always trying to hustle, right? We're always trying to uh, be everywhere at once. As compared to maybe some of your clients who are very focused in their career, they just want to be better. I'm just curious, you know, are these, is this a unique uh, problem? It, it's it's different. It's a different problem. Let me tell you why. There are many executives I work with. We work on their executive presence and their thought leadership because they may be the CEO of of a company that does one thing, but they're having a hard time branding themselves. You know, how, how do they show up on their, you know, on what they post on LinkedIn, for example, in the business context? Where are they showing up? Or do they show up at all? And many of them don't show up at all, right? And then you take the opposite side of that, which is the 25-year-old freelancer in the entertainment industry who's a gaffer, who's a lighting person, who's a, um, a, go, a runner, who's a, you know, all kinds of different things, you know, because whatever comes up, they're going to take that job to make their, you know, oh, 100 bucks a day or 200 bucks a day, there, right? yeah. We've all been there. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they both need to achieve the same thing, which is to be known for something. And to be known for excellence in something, because that's how the rest of the jobs are going to come or the or the thought leadership or the executive presence is going to come when people know you for something. So it's not easy. And, you know, maybe it's a process of especially if you're young, if you've just graduated, it's a tough job market that might take you five or six years of hustle of a lot of different things to finally get to that one place, that thing that you really like to do or that thing that you're known for doing well could take a while. But people should think of themselves as entrepreneurs, not just freelancers, right? Because when you're in the entrepreneur mindset, you're thinking more toward growth, more toward building something, a business, a brand, a personal business, a personal brand, for example. Uh, and I think that's a much more powerful personal journey to take than just saying, I'm a freelancer. So besides thinking of ourselves as an entrepreneur, what are the kind of other actionable tips you should be taking them to, to get to there? point because you know you're saying that we should be start changing our mindset start thinking of ourselves not as freelancers but as entrepreneurs so how do we get how what are the kind of tips that you might share to people to arrive you know to, to, to change that mindset networking is one right networking in environments where there are people that can make you better where there are people that can lift you up so you show up show up to um, places where 
people have a, a similar mindset or who are trying to achieve similar things or need people like you and, and start building that ecosystem of people in your life that can help you get better and that can help propel you upward. Is there a mentor you can attach yourself, you know, someone older that's happy to, to be a mentor to you uh, about whatever it is you do? So, you know, there are different things like that, that that help us to engage and help us to become better at what we do. In a sense, I'm also thinking when we are put in those environments, I'm a freelancer going to this network who has probably been around for a while, or I'm coming, I'm a freelancer go, or in that sense, to use that word again, going into the sure, going, going okay. into this yeah. company, let's say uh, that that you know to do a project, and these guys have been well, they know each other for a very long time, and you are like the new element that's in there. So sometimes I find that where the the, the challenge then is how should I behave or where where should I place myself? Because do am I going to go in there and then view as too enthusiastic and therefore, you know, like a pest or a nuisance. And I go in there, try my best to be very helpful, but it's viewed a different way, like this guy is being disruptive. So how should we actually view this situation? How should we ballot, conduct ourselves? Some of those social skills are, can be challenging, right? To, to know, like, where you level. And, and some of that, to be honest with you, comes with just years of experience doing it. You know, how, how excited should you be going into X moment, right? And I, I would also, I would always... Um, recommend what I've, what I've often said in this podcast already, which is figure out first what the audience wants from you. So if you go into a, um, an office situation, if you go into a, uh, an entertainment situation where they're you know, producing a film or whatever, you, know, find, you would know who the top person is that's in charge of what you're doing and make sure you you spend some time with them and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it this way. Is that, is that how you'd like it done? Or would you like it done a different way? And let me know what that is. So show that willingness to be open to ideas, show the willingness for growth. And most important, you know, again, going back to school days, please the teacher, right? We always, we all have some teacher we need to please. In my case, it's my executives who are, um, you know, who are paying me to coach them. Now, I'm going to please them, but I'm also going to make sure that they understand where I'm coming from and what I think is a, a good approach for great communication. So I'm, I'm not giving up on that, but I'm just saying there are certain times when you need to adjust and be flexible. And, and that has not traditionally been a skill set, I'll be honest with you. It's like, do we use the cliche when you're in Rome, do as a woman's do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, always, I always laugh with my friends. I mean, I, I am personally, I am never happier than when I have a microphone and 500 people in front of me. Like, I love that. <laughs> I feed off that energy, right? And not everybody does. You know, some people actually hate that. They, they, that. That turns them off. They get energized by being in a conversation with one person. Or they get energized by sitting and writing quietly and, and really thinking, having great think time. And, you know, everybody's good at their own way of doing it, right? And, and I can't tell them how to do it differently. Nobody should. But, but we can all take those skills that we have and we can upgrade them. We can make them better. Whatever it is we do, we can make, it, we can make ourselves better at doing that. So, so how do you boost your confidence then, you know, in, in public speaking since you are ace, very comfortable doing 500 people talks? Practice. Practice is the main thing. And putting yourself out there. Uh, if get get into speaking organizations, you know they have things that you can do. Lunchtime talks, you can do this, you can do that. Maybe uh, you know, maybe you can give a talk about what you do to your church organization if you go to a church somewhere, or um, a friends group, or even a perspective uh, at uh, at an industry type gathering. Hey, I'm 26 years old. 
I don't know much, but this is what I've learned so far about this industry coming in as somebody who's from a different generation than most everybody else in this organization. Let me, I'd love to share with you what I've learned. You know, put your own thought leadership, put your own stamp on it. Um, by the way, that can all be done online as well, as we know. Uh, you know, you can do a TikTok, you can do an Insta, you can do a, a blog post and you can get, or a video, whatever, you can get those thoughts out there through that and start building up thought leadership and credibility by just telling people the world the way you see it. Uh, in the industry that you're in. And you don't have to be super experienced because you, your own point of view is going to be great. Don't undervalue yourself. Even though you're in your mid-20s or late 20s and a student, everyone's going to be able to share something and show the rest of the world that they have a point of view. Get out there. Take those. Take some baby steps. Do Start with a 30-second video on what it is you do and how you do it. And then every time something comes up and you can comment on it, comment on it. If you're scared about speaking, go to Toastmasters. It's it's a, such a non-threat environment. You know, you give a five-minute talk or whatever on a topic that you want to give. It's easy. You get great feedback. It's a safe space. You know, just put yourself out there because that's how you get better. You get better by doing it. Yeah, I love that you brought it up because um, I've met quite a few um, uh, younger freelancers as well. Um, and now I'm at an age where I can say it, they're actually younger ones who we can impart some knowledge to. But it's, it's always so, um, is that first step that is the most terrifying. And that's the one that's always holding um, that person back. But once yeah, go you with a get friend, past right? it. Go, go yeah. with a friend if you need to. I, I'm, yeah. I'm still the person who will go to a party or a networking event and so on and just wait in the corner. And be very happy just really, really doing my own thing or reading my own thing rather than, you know, going to the, going up to somebody and go, hey. So I, maybe I, you I, need to go for one of Glenn's courses. Very hard to pick up. <laughs> yeah. I went to go see my niece. My niece lives in the city of Chicago, right downtown. Amazing uh, building right in the city center up on the 27th floor. And we were coming home. We had just gone to the Bruce Springsteen concert in Chicago, which was amazing, right? Three solid hours. And there were six of us, my my kids, my family, and my brother and, and my uh, my niece. And so we, we get into the lift. You know, it had been a long day. We came home and we get in the lift and four other people get in the lift with us. And it's people her age that just so happen to live on her floor and they've all got bags of Taco Bell. Now Taco Bell is a fast food taco place in the US that typically after a night of partying, you go to Taco Bell and like, you know, you get your munchie on right after that. And so it was pretty clear they'd been out and had a good time. And so they get, they all got in. I'm like, oh, you, you, the tagline is make a run for the border, right? This Mexican border for Taco Bell. So I'm like, hey, you guys made a run for the border tonight, huh? And of course, my kids and my niece are like, oh, God, don't don't say anymore. Just just be quiet. Don't say anything to them. So I was just, you know, I was just having a good time with them, right? I was commenting on the food they had. And, you know, everybody was in a good mood. Everybody was talkative. So I was just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze with them a little bit, not forcing it, not being over the top. Um, although my kids might say I was over the top, but okay. So then they got off, they got off the lift, right? My niece lived to the right. They lived to the left and didn't see him again. But now the next time my niece gets in the lift, if one of those guys is in the lift, they automatically have a connection. Like, Hey, you know, who was that crazy guy that was talking to us on the lift? Oh, that was my uncle. You know, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, whatever. Or, you know, she could say, Hey, how was your party the other night? You know, did you guys end up having a good time? After you came back, look like you guys were having a great time. Just a simple, just a simple thing, right? It's it's connections and those little communication connections. Simple, like it's as simple as saying hello in the lift to people because you never know when you're going to run into that person again, right? 
and especially or, if you're or, in the same apartment you, building <laughs> and going yeah, in there together. Exactly, you know, and I and and so again, this isn't necessarily a skill that is is real popular in Asia, but it's just it's that simple. It's or holding the lift door open for somebody as they're trying to get in, you know. The lady with the with the pram, or the older person, or even the younger person, to make sure the doors don't close on them. Just hold it open. You don't even have to say anything. Hopefully, they'll say thank you. You say, "Hey, no problem. How was your day? You know, have a good day. Yeah. Big weekend ahead. Whatever." You can always, you know, a lot of people aren't comfortable breaking out into those things, but sometimes if you just take that one, it's that instant when your eyes meet with somebody in the lift. Like that's the moment you got to just say hi. Because if you don't say hi then, then everyone's eyes go someplace else, <laughs> and, and then it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, right. and then it you keep getting weird. that. You keep you keep getting that here. I think you know, in in you like we get to a lift, especially if you live in like a, a a a apartment building, right? And I notice a lot of people just want to go in there and press door close like really really quickly. I don't want anyone to come in. Please don't come in. Singaporeans are so polite, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's like putting your it's like putting your turn indicator on in the car. See how far that gets you yeah. when you're trying to change lanes, right? I mean, now, now that you mentioned it, like in that moment in the lift, I'm like everyone just no no no. <laughs> <laughs> but look, sometimes it's just a hello or good afternoon or good evening or hey, having a good weekend. Yeah. Hey, got a big weekend coming up. That's it. You know, it doesn't have to be anything like, you know, monumental. And and somebody either that'll either start a conversation or they won't want to talk at all. In that case, that's fine too. You just go your own way, right? Yeah, but, I think it's basic human instinct that we all want to connect with each other. It's just that it's been so ingrained in us to not try and you know reach out to the other person we might be imposing on the other person that's that's a very asian thing by the way we might be imposing just by saying hi but um i think once that connection has been made then like you mentioned it's it can go anywhere and and i think it would come naturally at a certain point sometimes just a word or two starts that conversation that's all it takes and you know, not to be too stereotypical because there are plenty of places in the u.s where people don't talk to each other as well plenty of places believe me but generally speaking, if you say something, people will respond to you. I find life more interesting that way, right? Like I find connecting with people to be interesting and fun. Like, like I think it's cool. So that's just me though. If other people don't find that's cool and interesting, that's cool. They're fine. They don't have to. But I will also say too, that if you have that mindset toward your business life, toward your reaching out for, um, you know, getting, getting work and, and being useful in the work environment that you're in, if you have a little bit more of that mindset, if you can push yourself toward a little bit more of that mindset, even if it's not comfortable for you, it pays really, really big dividends over time. We asked everybody this question in the show, which is, when were you most uncool? This is a story I have not told very often. So you you guys are hearing it. Yes. Probably one of the first <laughs> groups in Singapore to hear this story. Certainly on YouTube. Okay. So back in the 90s, Late 80s, early 90s, I lived in Tokyo for about five, six years. And I was a journalist, I, 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 but like many of your uh, audience, I did a lot of other things. I, you know, I, I um, did voiceovers, I hosted stuff, I did radio and TV, I did a lot of different things. So I was feeling really um, smug, I'll be honest with you. I was feeling really smug about myself and how cool I was because I had all these, I was doing all these cool things. And they were actually, it was a lot of fun and a lot of interesting stuff that I was doing. And so I was really wearing my privilege on my sleeve. Um, um, this one particular day I was getting in the train in, and you know, the trains are quite crowded in Tokyo. And I was, I was feeling very high on myself and, you know, very smug about, you know, what, 
some cool stuff I was doing or whatever. And this, these people kept looking at me, the ones that were, I was standing and the people kept, that were sitting down, kept looking at me. And I thought, oh, of course, of course they're looking at me. I'm doing all this cool stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm like a great, um, I'm like this awesome gaijin, you know, gaijin like Angmo, right? I'm this, I'm this great gaijin in Tokyo, you know, and I'm young and I'm, hey, I'm, I'm hip. So I'm thinking, I'm feeling really good about myself. And then I just, I had set my bag down uh, like about halfway through the trip, like it was getting heavy. And I set my bag down. As I looked down, I noticed my zipper was open. <gasps> my fly was open. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's why they were all looking at me. Probably thinking, this guy is a real idiot. They were probably all thinking that in unison. What a dope this guy is. He comes to this country. He walks around with his zipper open, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> on the train, eye level. Yeah, so eye level. <laughs> if, that doesn't, if that doesn't win an uncool moment, Sean, I don't know what does. <laughs> I think that has happened to me as well before. <laughs> Just when you think you got it all figured out, yeah. let me tell you, somebody will smack <laughs> you upside the head and make you realize you don't. So it was a very humbling moment, a very humbling moment. And I didn't want to ask, Glenn, how can people find you? You know, what are your handles? What's, where can we find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, most, most all of my handles are pretty easy because they're some version of Glenn Van Zutphen. So either Glenn, at Glenn Van Zutphen all the way or Glenn underscore Van underscore Zutphen or, you know, some version of that. There aren't too many of us out there. Um, I, actually, there, globally, I think there are three or four Glenn Van Zutphens, but the rest of them are overseas somewhere. So I'm the only one in Singapore. I would love to have your audience connect with me on LinkedIn. That's, that's where I do a lot of my stuff. LinkedIn and Instagram, I'll, I'll give you those handles so that they can connect. Um, and also, you know, listen to my show on Saturday morning, um, 9 to 12. You can, of course, old school radio, but also there's this audio app, A-W-E-D-E-O, audio, which is uh, the SPH radio app. Um, that's free on, you know, uh, iStore and and um, and Apple Store and, and uh, uh, Samsung, whatever, Samsung, uh, Google Play. That's what we do every week. And we have a variety of guests, like everything from, um, you know, from actors and actresses all the way to business people, food, f- sports, everything else in between. I get a YouTube channel. I post a lot of stuff there. Um, obviously, Instagram. Um, I used to have a TikTok channel, but I, I really haven't done much on it lately because, you know, my dance moves aren't as <laughs> good anymore, but whatever. I'm not um, sure about that, Glenn. You don't, you, you don't want to see me dance. Trust me. You do not want to see me dance. Hey, um, hey you, go, you can go viral for unmemorable or unmemorable things like unmemorable dances or something it will be memorable <laughs> yeah. maybe very memorable <laughs> the guy who thought he the guy who thought he could dance but can't yeah i'll be that that'll be mine like this show then rate it five stars and subscribe to us on youtube spotify or wherever you get your podcasts uncool is a podcast produced written and hosted by sean lee winchong and co-hosted by yenling lo co-produced by raven lim and edited by ray ung uncool it's cool to be uncool on the next episode of Uncool, have you ever feared whereby you've gone it, where going to it and you just don't know what to talk about? No, never. I know I will always have enough to talk about, at least for an hour, unless the person is monosyllabic and very boring, in which case I clearly didn't do my research into that guest to know that he is not a good guest. It's all down to me. Did I do the homework before jumping on that call? Uncool. New episodes every Saturday.